This week on the Tierra Talk Show, I'd like to welcome the songwriters of the Doug Live Show at Disney's MGM Studios, one of my favorites, and I'll let them introduce themselves to you. Hi, I'm Bill Squire. I wrote the lyrics for the Doug Live Show and co-wrote the book. I'm Jeffrey Loden. I wrote the music to the show and co-wrote the book. And I feel like this is one of the most 90 things to talk about Doug because there was this great lineup of Saturday cartoons for kids like me because I was like right around the right age. I watched the show and it was something that was such a a great addition. And I think a lot of people kind of forget about it, but it was just for listeners to know it was in the location that the American Idol experience was for, I don't know, five years recently. And it's just so unique to, to have something like this ever happen because technically I don't think any Disney channel show got its own musical. So <laughs> to kind of have that happen is pretty amazing. Now, when did you, when did both of you hear about Doug actually just as a show in general before the stage show came into play? Well, I was familiar with it um, before we got involved um, in creating a live version um, because uh I had a son who's probably about about your age, uh, who uh, we would sit down, the two of us would sit down and um, watch the show together when it was on uh, uh, Nickelodeon um, before it became a Disney property. I can tell you, I did not know from Doug at all. Um, and I was approached by a gentleman who asked, would you be interested in writing um, writing for this mentioned the cartoon, writing a show for them? I called Bill and I said, do you know a cartoon, Doug? He said, I watch it every day. And, you know, so when we were approached about when we started writing, Bill understood the language of the characters and... I think we were pitched against five other teams hoping to get this job, but something about what we did just clicked. And we were invited into the project and to work with uh, Jim Jenkins and David Campbell on the book. Uh, We had one other advantage when we presented our songs because we brought along uh, one of our friends, um, an actor by the name of Eddie Corbett, who you know is a terrific guy and has done a lot of Broadway, um, and uh, just by luck he happened to be one of the voice actors on the original Doug series. Uh, Do you remember the character? What character he played? Or character? Alan Moo? Um, I forget the last their last name Sleech or something like that. Um, and then you know did other little voices on there. So. Uh, he knew the the vocal sounds of all the characters, so he was able to do a really credible uh, Doug. And of course, uh, you know Jim and uh, David, the creators of the show, knew him. So I think that gave us a little bit of a leg up. As soon as he walked in the door, it was an old, you know, a reunion. And Bill Bill did Skeeter, and I did Roger, <laughs> and I had a ringer. I had a ringer. My sister-in-law, with a very small little squeaky voice, did Patty. <laughs> that's right. Aw, that's so. So, what did they exactly ask you to do? They just said, "Can you create three songs that fit 
type the type of sound for different characters of the show or did they pitch you the the theme of the show no no we there was no theme of the show it was you know we were going to write doug live we picked a couple of episodes yeah um this was actually before doug was on disney they were on nickelodeon first right so we wrote three songs based on episodes on nickelodeon and they were funny and irreverent. And um, I don't know if you remember the show even before Disney, the show where Doug got his first zit. Right. <laughs> and that was our song. So now, now the show had to be a Disney show, and we couldn't use those songs because they were from the Nickelodeon days. So well, we that makes first. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And for those who are a little bit, you know, they don't understand what Doug is. Doug was, was a show about a 12-year-old boy just going through life itself, you know, having romances and and crushes and going through puberty and there's bullying. And it was just like this really sweet boy. <laughs> and I think that's why a lot of kids like connected with him because he, he you know, he was very shy and, and the characters are all so much fun. You know, Patty is the girl that he has a crush on and Skeeter's his best friend who always you know roots for him and roger just wants to be the center of attention and it's kind of like the antagonist of the show so it's so interesting so you had to base it off the nickelodeon episodes so when they finally rang you and said hey we would like you to be a part of this entire process like we like what you do and we want to see what you can do with this pitch how did that process move forward we would we would gather they had an office in downtown New York um, on 6th Avenue and we would meet in Jim's office and just start pitching ideas for what the show is. And, you know, Doug is the new boy in town. He moves to, um, what's the name of the town? Bluffington. Bluffington. He moves to Bluffington. And so it, it seemed like the perfect beginning of the show. And that's why 21 Jumbo Street is the open number in the show. And it's about this boy taking the car ride, both in, in, in his imagination and in the car, to this new neighborhood. And you meet the characters and, you know, you see him find Skeeter, find his own way. And, you know, Doug, he is shy, so he's in his imagination a lot which is where all, you know, the, um, what was the name of the spy of the, the, the James Bond character? Uh, the James Bond character, I don't know. We used ended up using um, Quail Man in the show um, and uh, Dr. Rubber Suit, which are the superhero characters. That's right. You know, and we would just get together every couple of weeks, maybe every week, and we would make each other laugh. And if we made each other laugh, eventually it made its way into the script. Yeah, you know? so working with Jim Jenkins, who created the show, and his collaborator, uh, David Campbell, uh, we slowly but surely uh, got together uh, a show that was actually probably a little bit longer than the one that finally ended up in the park, because um, we had to eventually trim it down a bit so that it fit the schedule uh, of all the guests down there. Um and uh, when we felt we had a, a piece that was ready for other people to look, uh, 
<laughs> excuse me, uh, Jeff and I, who you know come from uh, developing things for the New York Theater, said, "Well, when are we going to do the workshop of the show?" And mm-hmm. everyone looked at us and said, "Workshop? What do you mean?" <laughs> which is, you know, which will get actors with the script, we'll teach them the music, and they'll just you know go through it for us so we can hear how it sounds. And it was something that nobody at the Disney Park had apparently ever done <laughs> before. Um, so they were uh, uh, they were excited about it, but they were sort of like, whoa, 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 you just want to have people in, in the studio? We said, yeah. So they brought us all down to Disney World, um, and uh, we put this uh, piece together with actors, several of them who I believe ended up in the first cast of the show, um, with Jeff playing the music uh, on a piano. No, I didn't. All sorts of sound they had effects. a mu- they had a music director. They had a director. So Bill and I would watch rehearsals and then say, we, the, the uh, offices were in the parking lot behind MGM. Right. So Bill and I would say, let's, let's just take a walk. And we'd go out into the parking lot, and there were two bushes across the parking lot. We'd go through the bushes, and we're in the park. So we'd go on a ride or two and then come back to watch more rehearsal. And I think it took them three days. And at the end of the three days, uh, Mr. Eisner showed up to see it. He came in with 14 vice presidents. They all sat. It was a little like the Last Supper. It was amazing because the, the staff there were so nervous that he was coming to see it. They were, you never saw a uh, rehearsal studio that was so clean. Uh, there was even a guy at one point was was with a level was leveling a thermostat on the wall to make sure that it was straight up <laughs> and wasn't crooked. And they um, laid out this entire banquet in the hallway outside. Of it must have run you know, like ten feet of every kind of food imaginable. Um, and then, of course, everybody came, and they really had no time, so they sort of looked at the food, and, and that was it. <laughs> um, so they they pulled out all the stops, uh, and, and and they came, sat down at this gigantic table, and then uh, we presented our little show with our you know little tiny cast and Jeff banging away at the piano. I mean, I remember he really enjoyed it. The note about can we get a radio song came later you know, a couple of days later, but then he and the vice president and us all got into golf carts right. and went to see the dress rehearsal of what was the big water show? Fantastic. Yeah, it was, that's and what it was. It was fantastic. It was the dress rehearsal. So we sat in an empty arena right behind Michael Eisner and watched the dress rehearsal of the water show. It was a oh great my night. gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of wild riding on these carts through Disney World in the middle of the night with nobody else there. It's <laughs> a, a surreal experience. That's crazy. Well, one of the girls who was a part of the workshop uh, was Jennifer because she played Patty Mayonnaise. And um, so right. I messaged her last night. I just said, 
so what can you tell me? You know, because I we, we only had spoken a couple times online um, in messages. And she says that she remembers that Patty used to have the song Date Date, which I think you guys were referring to before we started recording, um, which soon kind of meshed to be Someone Like Me, which was a song for Doug and Patty. I remember the first time I saw the song in the show <laughs> down in Orlando. And when the fireworks happened... I got such a lump in my throat Aww. because you Aww. don't expect to see something like that. I mean, you know, the whole idea of the show using live and animation was, you know, Jim and David's brilliance in the first place and a very cool thing to work on. But to see it, to see it and, you know, that, that simple moment and then suddenly there's fireworks which I thought was beautiful. Yeah. So so how many songs did you guys start with for that for that workshop and then how many did it finally come to be before the the show was, you know, up and up and running back in 99? That's a good question. Gosh, that's a really good question. I want to say I think in the end the show had six songs in in the um yeah. in in the show. We probably wrote, aside from the three we wrote as a pitch, which were the Nickelodeon songs, right. I want to say we probably wrote about 11 songs and four were, were you know, changed out. Wow. So you, uh, you, 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 this, was, this was like almost like a full musical, like a full, full <laughs> hour-long well, musical. <laughs> well, that, I mean, one of the things that um, Jim and David were hoping – when uh, we sat and went down initially, is that there would be some kind of a licensable version of the show eventually that people could perform um, in schools and, uh, you know, church basements and wherever else. Um, so we had it looked at it in terms of making it a little bit more of a full-length show um, eventually. Um, so... Uh, that, but that, you know, obviously never happened. But I think that's where some of the other material we wrote uh, came from. But also, when you're developing a musical, you experiment with what you think the most effective musical moments are. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You might musicalize something that right later on you realize, you know, it's probably better off if that just stays a dialogue scene because we can get the same information out and do it a lot more quickly and efficiently and move on to the next moment. So the workshop completes, and then I guess it's the next stages of, of actually putting it in the theme park. So were you there for that rehearsal process once they had the cast together and they were adding the, the, the new factors of having some of the guests be on stage for the Beats and Quail Kid and the security yeah. guard? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were, we were not part... And this is one of the sad things is we were told when our work was done, our work was done. You know, we were work for hire and we were not invited to the opening day. We were not there for the parade that happened that led to the theater. We did. We were invited to come down and see the show. So we got to see it. But it would have been nice to share it with everyone. That's such a shame. But when we did eventually go to see it it actually was a wild day because um we had to be back in this in uh, new york pretty quickly 
So we literally got on a plane at something like 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, flew down. We were on the uh, Disney grounds by somewhere around mid-morning. Uh, um, I think we saw the show three times. <laughs> um, had uh, you know uh, lunch on the property, um, got back on the plane, and we're back home by probably around 11 o'clock in the evening. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that was, that was really quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it was really quick. We it, did, they did use one of the songs. Uh, sometime in the early 2000s, there was a United Nations Children's Festival, and uh, this whole initiative, and they used the opening number, 21 Jumbo Street, for, oh. in the festival. And created a, and I brought in a children's choir into my studio in New York, and it was just wonderful, you know. And do you still have that recording? Nice that I would love to hear it. So would I. I I do not know if I have a if I have the version anymore. Oh. And then they used it in the movie. You know, they used uh, someone like me in in the end movie as a pop song, yeah. a different arrangement. Yeah. And actually, Twenty One Jumbo Street. Um, had uh, kind of one and a half melodies too because uh, the earliest version of the song that we wrote was one that utilized part of the Nickelodeon theme for the show Uh, but when they moved the show from Nickelodeon to Disney they created a whole new opening theme for it so when we sat down to work on the show again we said well you know what we've got the theme from the old show here so we had to rework the the uh, melody of the show uh so that it used the new theme song instead of the old one so there's there's two versions of that too oh it's such a good setup yep. song i love it i i sometimes i sing it <laughs> just randomly <laughs> here at 21 jumbo and the cool thing about it was was it was one of the first shows to my recollection at walt disney world that was using the the screens the projection of the characters and the backgrounds to make a simplified set even more interesting and i think that's the coolest part is like that opening scene is when skeeter and patty mayonnaise and roger jump out of the screen every time i watch it online you get that whoa (laughs) (laughs) well it was fun too because it meant we weren't limited in terms of if we wanted to bring other characters in uh you know as part of a chorus or something i think there's at least one or two moments where other characters appear Mm -hmm. from the show on the screen along with the live actors too which was fun (laughs) oh right And then from 21 Jumbo Street, it goes to anybody else at all. Um, The whole premise of of this show is, I think, well, the major theme is Be Yourself. And Doug really wants to take Patty Mayonnaise out to see the Beats in concert. And um, so him and his friend Skeeter are, you know, singing a song together. And unfortunately, Roger is the first to ask Patty to the show. And um, then uh, there we go into the Quail Man segment. Um, Doesn't matter what he does, pump me up. And that brings out the the child in the audience who was selected as Quail Kid. I'm still jealous because I never got to do it. (laughs) So they come out with Pork Chop and then they save the day. 
everybody cheers and then we go to the beats show <laughs> and uh, the four uh, the three dads and the one mom who are chosen get to be in the beats show which is so much fun it's quick 30 seconds <laughs> you make the call i think is the name of the song and um yeah. and then finally the show ends with someone like me before transitioning back to 21 jumbo street when um uh, patty and doug say well, let's go skating and so it's like this really cute you know simple show and some people when they find it they're like what i didn't even know this was a thing and when you watch it you're like oh, this is really you know very sweet you know there's so many things that are very negative <laughs> and this is just a very sweet heartfelt show and i think that's why it stuck with so many people right so and your lyrics play and your lyrics and music play in part it because it's so catchy <laughs> uh well if you, you ever have a chance to hear you make the call yeah. And and listen to the lyrics, you'd be amazed. And cast members came up to us that day that we were there and yeah. said, I can't believe you got that into the show because it talks about spewing milk through their nose. And you <laughs> Yeah, know, I can't I think it only during the show only part of it is performed. Um but at the but, end but then at the end, leaving. exit music, played the whole thing as exit music. And, uh, I, yeah, I remember, too, the reaction was so funny because when they did the recording of it, you know, in their uh, Disney studios, they were, like, going, this is like recording a grunge song at Disney. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> it really like, it's fun. so funny. It's one of those – I was just talking about it with my sister because we would go over to the commissary. I don't know if you ever got to eat at the ABC commissary across the way. And with the kids' meals would be the Doug Live lunchboxes. And they never really uh, did anything like that before. You know what I mean? So we had our, our both of them. I, I have video footage of it, too, eating from my lunchbox. And we made them our, our crown boxes. When we brought them home, we'd put our collection of crowns in it. We still have it. And I'm so happy we great. do. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen pictures of them online because I think they... They didn't have that kind of merchandising right away when the yes. show uh, went up. There were, you know, the different kind of badges and pins that they normally have. Um, mm -hmm. I think they waited a little bit before they started bringing out the really good stuff. They are on eBay, so if anybody wants any, they are there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought one last night, actually, because I wanted to have a another one because it was like a nice new one, and I was just I just want to put it up on my my wall. And they used to sell the Red Hots. Do you remember those? Did you ever get one of those? No. Um, I mean, I just know them from you know because it is an actual uh, candy from when we were growing up, but. Uh... <laughs> Uh, they, I, oh, so they actually sold them on the property at the same also? Yeah, apparently in front of the theater, there was like a little stand. And they actually still have a couple of those around. And they sold the Red Hots and a Doug Live pin. Um, I don't know if they sold anything else. Maybe one of the listeners can let me know. I haven't been able to find any pictures, but I do know they did sell the Red Hots, according to the, the cast. Um, and that That's was, great. I just thought, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, but the show did run from March 15th, 1999 to about May 12th, 2001. So my family was very bummed when we returned and it wasn't there. Um, uh. But it was left vacant for so long um, until 2009 
when they started the American Idol experience. So, um, which is weird, right? <laughs> I was going to say, I work at a conservatory in New York uh, for young actors. And very early on, one of, one of my castmates, you know, coming to the school, took me aside and said, are you the Jeff Roden who wrote Doug? Right. And I said, yes. He said, oh, oh, my, oh my God, oh my God, that's, that's the show that made me want to be an actor, that oh. made me want to, you know, come. And I would see it every chance I get. He was from Orlando, and he would, he would go like every weekend. And this is now 10 years later, and he's thanking me, which was quite something for me because, again, we were anonymous. We were, you know, you're no longer needed. So it felt great to be recognized. Yeah, I mean, it was one of our most fun experiences. I mean, we've done other um, pieces that are geared toward younger audiences um, since then. And, you know, we have a new one that uh, uh, was on its way into New York until before everything happened uh, last March and everything got shut down. Um, Working on Doug, especially down in the park, was a very, very special experience. Um, just to be in that atmosphere, um, and uh, you know, I, I mentioned um, our friend Eddie Corbett, whose uh, uh, appearance helped us to um, book the job in the first place. He actually ended up coming down to uh, uh, Orlando with us for the pitch, um, and uh, his only prerequisite at the time was that he got to go on the Tower of Terror while he was there. And so we ended up taking Eddie to the Tower of Terror, but I don't think either of us (laughs) dared go on it, but I think he went on two or three times. We waited by the exit. Right. (laughs) And and I'm so sorry to hear about your project not moving forward. Are are you guys, are you guys working? I'm assuming you guys are working from home and still creating music right now? Uh, Yes. Uh, I mean, Jeff is especially busy. He's working on a number of projects. I mean, the, you know, you either choose for the world to stop or you figure out a way to, to you know, continue. So with my conservatory work, we're doing it remote. So I wow. have Zoom sessions every evening and some afternoons working with students wherever they are. One's in Tokyo, one's in West Virginia, three are in the Bronx, you know, and meeting and putting together a show. And then the show will end and you're on to the next thing. Some theaters are opening up, but only for streaming, you know, doing small, very small shows within protocol. And I'm about to music direct at a theater in New Jersey, but no audience will ever see it except for the, you know, their subscribers will watch the film. Eventually, the theater will open up and our show will come you know, that will come when it can. It's just been quite a year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fortunately, as, as someone who uh, uh, writes scripts and uh, lyrics, there's often uh, periods of many months where you're just sitting at home <laughs> staring at the computer screen. Um, so I've taken advantage of the time to catch up on a couple of projects that I had started and not been able to get back to uh, because of other projects that were in production and um, other kind of pressing matters. And so it's been a productive time for that because I'm uh, 
you know, creating some new stuff, and uh, hopefully when theaters open up, I'll have new material to show them. We have a lot of listeners who are, you know, in their early stages of entertainment, and we, we actually haven't had a lot of songwriters on the show, but I wanted to ask if there was any type of advice for somebody who was just starting out and saying, you know, I opposed from, except from being an, a performer, I would really like to create music for a show. Is there anything you would suggest to them? Just do it. <laughs> You know, there's because rules are meant to be broken. There's no, you know, Oklahoma was already written. Doug was already written. But what there's what hasn't been written is in everyone's mind. And so just do it. I mean, if you play the piano, if you play the guitar, there's a starting point. If you don't hum hum into your phone, you know, use your voice memo and just sing melodies, sing to yourself, you know, yeah. or, you and, know, and find people to collaborate with. I mean, and use the, use the internet. Um, I know my son, uh, has done a few projects. He's a, a voice actor. Um, and, uh, he's done a few projects recently, uh, that were inspired by strange things like, uh, you know, online gaming and things like that, where they had offshoot, um, musical theater projects that came out of it. Um, um, I was listening to something he recorded a vocal for just the other day and realized the composer was in Scotland and the, the other people in the band were in, all over the United States and the backup singers were various places. Um, but they all got together online and created uh, you know, uh, this song um, that then became part of a larger work. So I'd say, you know, especially uh, younger people who are looking to get into things like that, you're way more technically savvy than old guys like us. Uh, so really take advantage of that and uh, and just create. Is there a way that um, people can find you on Facebook or a website so they can take a look at some of your other materials? Because I know you had other cool works out there. <laughs> Uh, well, we do have Loden and Squire dot com, uh, which is L O D I N uh, and S Q U I E R dot com, and a number of the musicals we've written in collaboration. Uh, there's bits and pieces of them up there. Um, it's one place to take a peek. And I'll include the links below in the show notes so our listeners can go ahead and click away. And, and you know, if you ever had any have any questions, I'm sure the guys wouldn't mind answering any of your, your songwriting yeah. questions. Um, this Absolutely has been, not. <laughs> this has been so much fun to have you guys on the show because, I you know what I mean? It's just something, you know, sometimes I just hear the melody in my head from any of the songs of the show, and it just <laughs> brings a smile to my face. And I'm sure there are other people where it just comes back to them. So, you know, you have you have consciously been included in all of the Disney <laughs> that is Doug. <laughs> so... Thank you, guys. This was so much fun. Oh, well, it's been it, great to be able to it, revisit. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And appear with the friends you meet here at 21 Jumbo Street.